Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey everybody, Marty Griffin here with the Golf Strategy School podcast, the only podcast designed to help you get over that milestone score of breaking 90. And today I wanted to just kind of approach that how do I fix my slice conversation from a slightly different angle that has a stupidly simple solution. And that is grip pressure. Is grip pressure causing you to slice? Let's talk about it. All right, so when we talk about slicing, there's definitely different variables and different factors that go into causing a slice. Now, the two big ones are the fact that the club face is open at impact and that you're coming over the top and across the ball. Now, one of the ways people come over the top and across the ball is by early extension, early release, casting. You've heard it called a billion different things, but it's that process of where the club starts to release away from you early and then you have to kind of drag it across like a slap shot to get it back to a somewhat decent impact position. And that's what puts that big slice spin on the ball. Now, one of the things that I was helping a student with recently is the fact that you know they, they are very heavy-handed. And they mean that quite literally, is that their grip pressure, they, they feel that they hold onto the club very tight and it causes a lot of tension like all the way up through their arms into their shoulders and it holds them back from hitting farther and hitting consistently. And I totally understand that and I totally agree with them. Their issue is that they didn't really know how to solve that. Well, when it comes down to it, kind of generally speaking, grip pressure should be light, very light almost like you're holding a tube of toothpaste and you don't want to be squeezing the toothpaste out of the bottle. Now, if we are squeezing the the club too hard, it doesn't allow our different hinges, like our wrist, our shoulders, our elbows, things like that. If we're squeezing too hard with our hands, it impacts how everything else operates. Just like when we talk about, you know, having to fix the club face first, because that is the first domino that then makes us do all these compensating effects that enhance the slice. Grip pressure, too much grip pressure can just be this backfill of tension all the way through the rest of the golf swing. And so what I would like you to do is kind of think about you know, how you would hold a tube of toothpaste. Go, go actually grab your tooth, tube of toothpaste. And you know what? If you really want to challenge yourself, 
hold it so the toothpaste points towards you. That way, if you squeeze too hard, you squirt yourself with toothpaste. But what I want you to do is I want you to kind of get the idea of holding that tube of toothpaste and taking a golf swing while holding that tube of toothpaste. Like I said, if you want to get really gutsy, take the cap off. But you can feel, if the cap is on, you can feel that when you squeeze that tube too hard, how it kind of gives you that feedback of pressure on different parts of your hands and your fingers. So that's a really super easy way to practice. Now, what this person was doing, they were holding on very tightly, not necessarily with both of their hands, but because they were a right-handed golfer, their right hand was the dominant of the two, which is the case for most of us. And so it really does take some practice and some time for us to get used to letting the left hand lead, letting the left hand steer, doing all of the work. So this person, because they were so strong with their right hand, they were on the downswing. They were trying to hit the ball harder because everything was slicing, so it wasn't going as far. And they wanted to get that distance back, so they were swinging harder and harder, trying harder with their muscles. And what that was causing is that was causing them to kind of actively fire their right wrist before they got to the bottom of the swing. Then what they were doing is their hips were stopping, their hands were catching up, so they lost all of that energy from the big muscles in their legs and up through their back. And then it turned into just all arms and hands trying to really quickly rake across the ball and hit it farther. All hugely because they were pushing hard, gripping hard, and actively trying to flip their wrists with their right hand. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think about kind of an order of operations from most pressure to least pressure. And what I'll do is I don't have a golf grip because my golf clubs are in the sink right now being washed or soaking. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold my backup microphone. And what I want you to do with your golf club or really with anything, with a pencil, with a tube of toothpaste, works really well with that tube of toothpaste. Try to use a full tube though. Um, but I want you to feel like your pinky finger on your left hand, on your lead hand, is holding on the tightest. And then the next tightest is your ring finger on that lead hand. And the next tightest is your middle finger on that lead, that left hand. You should really be able to swing the club with just these three fingers and the club in your palm. If you can't do that, it's okay to kind of take the, take the shaft and just support it gently with your right hand to help until you can build up these muscles in your hand and in your arm. And then what you do is you just kind of take practice swings and especially with your hand way out on the middle of the shaft, helping to support that. I mean, you're just kind of cradling it in your fingers on your right hand. You're not like holding it like you're going to do a slap shot, but what you're going to do is you are going to cradle it and you are going to kind of come through almost like a hockey swing and just kind of feel that motion of the left hand leading the way. And really it's, it's those three fingers on the bottom of the left hand that are holding on tightest. And what that does is it allows this entire area of your hand to kind of act as one fulcrum, one pivot point. That way it's not this hand pushing out. You know, if I'm, if I'm holding a golf club and my right hand gets 
active in the swing, I start to apply pressure upwards like this on the club. And then that essentially creates two different pivot points. It creates the pivot point that I'm making happen at the top of my right hand and then a second one at the bottom. And so it, it's hard to time that. It's hard to get everything synced up and it causes that early extension. So what I would much rather see you do is take some time just doing air swings, just doing little nine o'clock to three o'clock air swings of just your left hand. If you can lift your club with just your left hand and really just these bottom three fingers, just do that 10 times and then maybe hit a shot on the 11th one. If you don't have the ability to go to the range or you don't have a big enough space to practice, just practice doing that movement over and over again. Start by holding the club, supporting the club with your right hand and holding on with those last three fingers of your left hand and just focus on what that feels like with your left hand doing most of the work. And then as you become more and more comfortable with that, slowly provide less and less support with your right hand and then eventually just do it with your left hand. If you're not used to this, it will take some time to build up these muscles. Uh, the other thing is that if you do this for a period of time and you still can't develop that muscle in your, you know, in your kind of forearm and through into your hand, then that might be an indicator that your clubs are too heavy for you. If you're playing like heavier steel shafts, weighted shafts, that might be a sign that they're a little bit too heavy for you, but you should be able to guide essentially the entire swing with just your left hand and really just those bottom three fingers of that left hand. So if you can do that, it's going to allow you to much easier come from the inside, which is what helps produce that draw spin. And it's also going to really help remove that early extension, you know, where you see the elbow move away from the body. If you videotape your swing at all, if you're coming back, and then you come down and you see that elbow start to move away and the hand start to go early. That is a sign that you're extending early. That's that early extension. And that throws everything that essentially just cuts the power cord from the big muscles and you lose just tons and tons of your power. That's why I tell people just do nine o'clock to three o'clock, get really good at nine o'clock to three o'clock swings with this. And you will see that because you are tapping into those big muscles, you are actually getting 75, 80, 85, 90% of your normal distance from this little tiny swing. It's because you're hitting solid and you're using the big, strong muscles rather than the fast twitch, little quick twitch muscles. So our order of operations here for from strongest, tightest grip all the way up to least strong grip. That right hand is truly just along for the ride. And that's how you can practice it is you just take that hand completely off of the grip of the club and you put it up, you know, midway on the shaft and you just practiced taking those turns, taking those swings and what it feels like to have this left hand lead you through impact. It's going to get you coming from the inside. It's going to eliminate that early extension. And in this one incredibly simple move, you could completely eliminate your slice. Hey, if you've hung on all the way to the end, I really appreciate that. Obviously, YouTube loves that for the analytics, but I would like to say thank you with an action. Now, 
You may or may not know that I have a course called the Breaking 90 Blueprint designed to help golfers go from you know inconsistent shots, inconsistent contact, fades, major slices, things like that, teaching the fundamentals of the golf swing on how to hit a draw and how to make consistent impact and consistent contact with your shots. Now, even if you have a good swing, if you don't play smart golf, you're still going to struggle to break 90. Really what it comes down to is that one bad shot that happens every, you know, kind of three or four holes, that one really bad shot. If you're not playing smart golf, it's going to cause you a big, big blow up hole. Now, what I've done as part of my breaking 90 blueprint is to create a kind of on course strategy, a game day game plan for you on how to play par threes, fours, and fives. And what I would like to do, if you're interested, is to give that to you completely for free. All you got to do is go to golfstrategyacademy.com slash breaking 90. You'll see the, the link in the show notes in the comments as well. And you go there, you sign up. I'll give you those three videos. Really what we're doing is we're looking at specifically what strategies we can take to play these holes on a more consistent basis and eliminate those blow up holes. And I actually walk you through exactly how I would teach my students on my home course on how to play a specific par three, a specific par four, and a specific par five. So if that's something that you're interested in, head over to golfstrategyacademy.com slash breaking 90, and I'm more than happy to share my on-course strategy with you for free. All right, everybody, until next time, I'll catch you in the short grass. Cheers. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.